Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Numbers chapter 4, and I'd like to read two verses in your hearing. Verse 14, speaking about the ark and the tabernacle now, and I'm, I'm just taking a couple verses here that pertain to the ark, so if you'll grant me that liberty. It said, they put it all the vessels thereon where they minister about, even the censers, the flesh hooks, the shovels, the basins, all the vessels of the altar, and they spread it upon a covering of badger skins and put the staves of it. And when Aaron and his sons had made an end of covering the sanctuary and all the vessels of the sanctuary as the camp is to set forward, after that, the sons of Kohath shall come to bear it, but they shall not touch any holy thing, lest they die. These things are the burden of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation. The tribe of Levi was the priesthood tribe. One of the families in the tribe of Levi were called the Kohites, or the Kohaths. They were the ones that would be responsible for the actual bearing of the ark, the carrying of the ark. And you'll find out in a few moments how it was to be transported, and it was a great responsibility. But the holy ark of the covenant could not be touched. And if it were, the one that touched it would die. And today I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this subject. The cart might shake, but the ark won't fall. The cart might shake, but the ark won't fall. God bless you. You may be seated. Psalm 16 and 11 says, Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God. It was the centerpiece of their faith and of their lives. Everything revolved around the Ark. Even when the camp was set up, every tent door faced the Ark. There was a cloud that overshadowed it by day and a pillar of fire by night, representing that heaven was watching over the ark. It meant everything to them. Exodus chapter 25 talks about the ark and says, they will make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without thou shalt overlay it and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it and put them in the four corners thereof. Two rings shall be in the one side of it and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the side of the ark, that the ark may be borne by them. Why? Because they cannot touch it. And so there were rings on the four corners of the ark of the covenant. It was like a big 
gold box. And it could only be carried by this one family and they had to use poles. Now, a cubit, for those of you that, that don't know, is, is the way that they measured things. The longest finger of your hand to your elbow is a cubit. They didn't have Stanley tape measures and rulers and all those things. So that's how they measured things, from the longest finger to the point of the elbow. Now this can vary. It can vary between 18 to 21 inches. The dimensions that I'm going to use today are 20 inches so that you will be able to understand size and distance. So 20 inches equals one cubit. If that is true, then the ark is 50 inches long, 30 inches high, and 30 inches across. It is able to be lifted off. You can lift the top off of it. And inside of the ark are three things, and they are significant. The two tables of stone on which the Ten Commandments were written will be in the ark. There will be a pot of manna. Manna was what fed the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness for 40 years. And the third thing that will be in the ark is Aaron's rod. Now the reason and the significance of these three things in the ark is this. The the tables of the law represent the law. God is just and he expects to be obeyed. Can I get an amen? The pot of manna represents the fact that God will always provide for his people. He is their provider. Even if they're in a desert, God will provide. The rod of Aaron was a rod that actually grew leaves and almonds, though it was not attached to a tree. This represents the miraculous God that they served. So their God was a God of miracles, a God of provision, and a God of justice. And those memorials were kept inside of that ark. We still serve the same God today. He is a just God, he is a provider, and he is a miracle worker. Amen? So that's what was inside of the ark. I'd also like to point out Joshua chapter three that the ark, whenever they moved, was always in the front. The ark led them where they were going, okay? So let me give you one example. In Joshua chapter three, verse number three, it says, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the, of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, you will remove from your place and you will go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord your God will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day will I be magnified in the sight of all of Israel, 
that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you will command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Now, here's what I want you to see. The river will not be divided until the Ark gets to it and the priest takes a step of faith. And when his foot hits the brim of the water, that's when the river will be divided. And the ark, the power of God, did this. We need to take some steps of faith sometimes. But God is with us, and God is leading us, and we have nothing to fear. But there's another significant thing that that could be missed here. Did you notice that he said that when the ark leads them that there will be a distance between the ark and the priesthood and before the rest of Israel? And he said it would be 2,000 cubits. Again, if we take the measurements of 20 inches for a cubit, we're talking about 20 times 2,000, 40,000, and if you divide that by 36, there's over at least 100 yards between any member of the congregation and the priesthood and the Ark of the Covenant. So what is the significance of that? Sometimes people can misunderstand the ministry. I know it uh, it was very difficult for me when I first became a pastor to understand this. I thought, you know, you can be buddies with everybody. You know, the, the congregation, well, they're your friends, they're your buddies. And, and I learned in a short time that you have to be careful about that. Because when your pastor's your buddy, there's not a mutual respect and an understanding that takes place like it should. There does need to be some separation. Not because the pastor's better than you are but that he needs to hear from God without partiality so that he can deal with all people as equally as possible. It's difficult sometimes because the pastor is caught in a tough spot. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the position of a pastor because I may not always be your pastor. Don't read anything into that, okay? But whoever your pastor is, there needs to be some distance between you. You don't want your pastor to be your buddy. You want him to hear from God so that he can help you. Because the pastor, listen to this now, the pastor needs to be what God wants him to be and what the people need him to be. There's a difference. We talk about it all the time, don't we? I have wants and I have needs. Well, that applies even to the ministry. So please don't think that that your pastor is snooty if he doesn't shake hands with you and tell jokes with you before he preaches. Or or if he if he doesn't isn't able to do all the things that you would like him to do with you and pray for him that God will speak through him to you. There needs to be somewhat of a separation, but that's a good thing. Can I get an amen? 
And so there was a separation between them. The ark led them, it opened rivers, seas, conquered enemies, provided, protected, gave health, and they never went anywhere without the ark. The ark represented the power and the presence of God. They were never afraid as long as they knew that God was with them. Now the things that I'm preaching from the Old Testament still apply to us. You have nothing to fear. Didn't Jesus say, I will never leave you nor forsake you, no, not to the end of the world. If God is for us and if God is leading us, then God allowed us to go into that situation. God's spirit will not lead you where his grace cannot keep you. But we need to let God lead us. If, we, if God was going to lead us only by his word, then we wouldn't need his spirit. But the spirit and the word agree. God has got to be able to speak to us and to you. That's why he gave you his spirit. That's why sometimes you walk into a situation and something causes you to say, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. What is that? Did you read that in the Bible before you, you came to that place? No, you didn't. But your spirit, the spirit of God, spoke to you and warned you and said, you don't belong here. God can speak to you and say, that person right there, I want you to go and talk to that person and not give you a sermon or a message, but as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And God's spirit will lead you to people and then will give you the words to speak to that person or the ability to minister to that person. The ark is the spirit of God. And now the ark lives inside of you. And if you listen, you will hear God speak to you and God will lead you into a situation. I remember, and we're afraid of this. Most people are afraid of this. We're afraid that when the spirit of God moves on us and God wants to use us in a message in tongues and interpretation, we're afraid because we haven't been this way before. And other people have done it and they're so good at it. So let them do it. When God is speaking to you, when God is speaking to you through his spirit and saying, here's a situation I wanna put you in and I'm gonna use you in this situation. Let me give you an example. You can be in a grocery store and God can speak to you about going and talking to somebody and you start the conversation just by saying, are you having a good day? And they might open up to you. If God has set the situation for you to be here and brought them to you, and now he inspires you to speak to them, do you think God's not gonna direct the conversation and steer it the way that he wants it to go? And they may say to you, I don't feel well, I'm sick. I just got diagnosed with this or that. They might open up to you because God has prepared them just like he prepared you, and that is your opportunity to be used. And you need to take a chance. I remember the first time that there was a message in tongues and, 
and I had the interpretation. I was so afraid. I mean, Brother Wilbur, my hands were shaking. My heart was pounding. I only had one sentence. And there was this long message in tongues, and I thought, well, if it's a long message in tongues, then it's gotta be a long interpretation. And I only got one sentence, and I'm afraid, and I'm not good at this, and I've never, I've never gone this way before, but the ark was leading me. And you know what I did? Nothing. I didn't speak. I let somebody, and there was a big long pause, and somebody, God used somebody else. And I felt so bad about that. I told God, I'm so sorry. If you'll give me another chance. Hey, you know what? The God we serve is a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. You might be here today and you feel like your life is a mess. You're all messed up. You're not worthy to be here. You couldn't worship like these people worship. You couldn't be what you think they are, but you don't know where they came from. You don't know what they were involved in before God got a hold of their lives. And our God is a God of second chances. That's why it's called being born again. Come on, we're gonna, do, we're gonna try this again. We're gonna give you another opportunity. And so I said, God, if you'll just give me another chance. Well, sure enough, God did. And you know what? It wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it was. And if you miss a word, so what? If you're looking for perfection, you are in the wrong church. And if you're looking for a perfect church, once you go to it, it will no longer be perfect. You just gotta take some chances once in a while and let God use you and you'll feel more comfortable as God does. Now let me take you back to the ark. There's, there's just a couple things I wanna mention to you that I think are important about the ark. When the children of Israel sinned, the ark was captured by the Philistines. They thought they had a great victory they had what represented the presence of Israel, it's God, in their camp. And they took it to the temple where they had Dagon, their statued God. And when they came the next morning, they put it next to Dagon. When they came the next morning, Dagon was on his face, bowing down to the ark. And their priest said, ooh, quick, stand up our God. This would be embarrassing. So they stood him up. The next day they came back and he was busted up when he fell over. And they began to think, hmm, maybe we're worshiping the wrong God. But so that they would be absolutely sure, God gave everybody in that city hemorrhoids. That was really bad. So they decided, let's get it out of this city and we'll move it to another city. And everybody in that city got hemorrhoids. After the third city, they decided they needed to get rid of the ark because it was cursing them and not blessing them. I'd rather have a God that's blessing me Amen. than cursing me. And if you'll do the right thing, I should be able to get an amen to this. If you'll do what God asks you to do, he'll begin to bless you. He'll bless you abundantly.
He'll bless your marriage. He'll bless your home. He'll bless your kids. He'll bless your job. He'll bless your health. He'll bless your finances. We're not serving him to get the blessing. We're serving him because we love him and the blessing just follows. But the cursing came to the Philistines, so they decided, you know what, we need to get rid of this ark. And let's send a peace offering with it. Because we don't want their God to be mad at us anymore. So let's build a new cart, let's send an offering, and, and let's point the animal in the direction of Israel and slap them on the rear end and get this ark out of here. And that's what they did. And the ark started coming back and it stopped at one man's house and that man's house was blessed. And finally King David found out that the ark was at a man's house and his, his house was blessed and he said, let's get it back to Israel. We want the ark back in Jerusalem. And they said, well, they, it's on a Philistine cart. Well, we don't want a Philistine cart. So let's build us a new cart. And we'll build a new cart like the Philistines did, but it'll be our cart, not their cart. And we'll bring the ark into Jerusalem on a new cart. That's, that's how we're going to get it back. Now watch this. This is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 3. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it to the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his heir, and there he died by the ark of God. Why? Because he touched the anointed. He touched the holy. And God promised that he would kill those that did. And so Yuza died. Now for a few minutes, just a few minutes, I wanna, I wanna make a comparison between the new cart and the church. The new cart was transporting the divine. That's what was happening in the illustration I just gave you. The new cart of Israel was transporting the ark. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of human beings. We are not Superman and Wonder Woman. We are flesh and blood. We have faults. We make mistakes. I guess I'm the only one. Okay. Some of you, the rest of you make mistakes too. But there's a lot of humanity in the church. Even though we have the new birth and we have a new cart, so to speak, there's a lot of humanity. And the cart might shake. From time to time, the church is shaking. And didn't Jesus say, that which can be shaken shall be shaken? There's going to be trials 
and tribulations that come against the church. There's going to be difficult times. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Our world is not in a good economic situation right now. Neither is the church. Because the rain is falling on the just and the unjust alike. It's difficult, and we're living on shaky times. We have experienced ministerial failures. Pastors have failed God. Great men and great women of God have failed God. And you know what it does? It shakes the church. Man, I thought he was such a great man of God. The greatest preacher I have ever heard in my life is not preaching this doctrine anymore. And it shook my faith. I mean, I would, anytime he was in Wisconsin, I, I was there to listen to him. Any tape that I could get a hold of, I would listen to it and I would take notes. I mean, there was such an anointing on this man that he could hold a complete auditorium spellbound. He had a gift. He was anointed. And now he's not serving God. And you say to yourself, if that can happen to him, who am I? And it shook my faith. I've seen great leaders, not just in our congregation, but in the previous congregation that I came from, that have fallen. I've seen immorality that should never have happened amongst God's people. I would have never dreamed that it could have happened to these people. And I'm talking about even pastors. And it will shake your faith. The brother that you consider your best friend this time next month, maybe next year, he may not be sitting next to you. You cannot judge the size of abundant life by what you see today. Several congregations have come out of it, but there's also a lot of people that have been baptized in Jesus' name that are not serving God today. And it can shake your cart. And it can cause you to think, man, I don't know if this is gonna work. I don't know if we're gonna complete this journey. I don't know if we're ever going to get to Jerusalem. The cart is shaking. And somebody comes along and, and they offend you. And they hurt you and you get your wounds in the house of a friend. And it shakes your cart. And you begin to say, man, I never thought they'd do that to me. I never thought this would happen at Abundant Life or, or anywhere else, whatever church you may have come from. This, this should never happen in the church of God. And how could it happen to me? And if it destroyed them and they were so strong, what hope do I have when my great trial and my great tribulation comes? What's going to happen if I ever get diagnosed with cancer? What if your spouse decided one day, I'm no longer serving God? What would that do to you? Would that shake your cart? Would you say, well, honey, if, if you're going, I'm going? Or would you be able to stand up and say, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. I really love you and I hope you'll reconsider. But if you have to go, then you have to go. What happens if you raise your kids 
Your whole life, you do everything you know to, to do the right thing, and they don't serve God. And they walk away from God. And their lives get messed up. What happens to your cart then? But it's shaken, and so are you. I've seen, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen mature adults stop serving God because their kids decided they didn't want to serve God. I don't want to go to that church. They're supposed to be the leaders. Well, I guess we just won't go then. We'll look for another one. What does that do to your faith? It shakes your cart. But I want you to know that as much as the church shakes, the ark will not fall. It will not fall. You don't have to worry about it. God doesn't need you to prop him up. He doesn't need your support. You need his. But he'll get along without you. I know this. I, and, and I'm saying this humbly, and I, I really believe this. Before God, I say this. God can get along just fine without me. I am easily replaced. When the anointing leaves one, listen, folks, you've got to get this. When the anointing leaves one, it moves to another. I remember when I became Sunday school director, I was so scared. Oh, I was so afraid. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel I had the ability to lead. And here I'm in this position. Uh, I was scared. And the first year, it was 1988, and we had this big name speaker coming. He was coming from the Carolinas. I can't be specific, but he was coming from the Carolinas, and he was going to be our seminar speaker, and he had this big name. Everybody knew this guy. He was going to be our speaker. First year. And he calls me up a few days before the seminar, and he says, I ain't coming. I said, why? He said, well, the people in our church believe that the Lord is going to come this year, and we're real close to the coming of the Lord. It's 1988, and, and everybody's talking about 88 reasons, and I just don't feel I can leave my congregation, so I ain't coming. Well, what am I going to do? I'm a rookie. I'm a novice. Well, I called my district superintendent. I said, Brother Grant, this is what happened. This guy ain't coming, so I'm asking you. He said, you don't need to ask me. He said, you're the Sunday school director. You're the speaker. I said, Brother Grant. He said, what you don't understand. Now, here's what you need to get, folks. I hope everybody in this auditorium gets this today. This is what Brother Grant said. He said, if the anointing comes off of him for the seminar, it goes back to you. You're the one that invited him with the board's approval. And so if the anointing comes off of him, it goes back to you. And you don't have time to find another speaker. So that means God's going to use you. I have to admit, I did not share in his confidence. 
but he was my boss. And I did what he told me to do. I didn't feel, and I still don't feel I'm qualified to be a home missions director. But it's a position. It's not a person. And with the position comes the anointing. And when God puts you in a place and says, this is what I want you to do, the anointing is now on you. We don't need somebody from the Carolinas. We need the anointing. And wherever God places the anointing, and you may say, well, he can't use that guy. You haven't seen him with the anointing yet. I am way, way off my notes. I don't know how I'm ever going to get back, but... But I I hope you can understand what I'm saying. The anointing is what matters. That's all that matters. You can forget about your notes and just get up there and do what God asks you to do. It's risky. And you might fumble and you might make some mistakes, but you'll learn to flow with the Spirit. And God will use you. So the anointing came back to Israel. The cart might shake, but the ark won't fall. God won't fail. You see, there's two things God can't, there's two things God can't do. He can't lie, and he can't fail. Thank you. He can't lie, and he can't fail. And he won't fail you. Now, again, I know I'm repeating myself. He might not do it the way you want it done. He might not do it in the timely fashion that you want it done. But see, God's got some problems to work through. He gave this gift of free will and choices to people, and they misuse it. And he's got to work with them. And then he's got to work with this group, and he's got to work with this group. There's a lot that goes into this. And he's working in multiple groups to bring a single conclusion. But he anoints at least one in every one of those groups. And there will be a word of wisdom. And the, and the answer will be revealed. The cart might shake. But don't get off. Let me tell you this. this got this at 4.30. Joshua, listen to Joshua when his cart was shaken. He says, you decide who you want to serve. You can serve the people that that live in in your region, the gods that they serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Listen carefully to what he really said. As for me, he could have stopped right there. That's it. That's the message today. As for me, God has put me on this course. God has blessed me. My cart might shake, but I'm going to finish what I started. I'm going to stay in the truth. I'm going to be as kind as I possibly can be. I'm going to take as many people as I can with me. The cart might shake, but the ark won't fall. God will take me to the other side. That's why he was disappointed with with the disciples when they thought they were going to drown in the sea. 
You know why he rebuked them? Because before they started their journey, he said, let us go to the other side. And they didn't think they were gonna make it. And they were actually insulting him by saying that they were going to drown when he had previously told them, we are going to the other side. God has made you a promise. All you have to do is stay on board, listen to his voice, keep the anointing on your life. Your ark will not fall. But you have to be careful to remember to touch not the anointed and do my prophets no harm. You see, that's what got them in trouble. First Chronicles 16, 22, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Be careful about the way that you treat the authority that God has placed in your life. I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about officials. And they're not always right. Sometimes they're wrong, but they're still in authority. Keep your hands off of them. Let me give you the perfect example of a man that knew this lesson. Do you remember when Yuza touched the ark and, and, uh, and he died? David was angry. He was angry with God, not with Yuza. He is angry with God. See, if you look at things from a human perspective, you don't get the full picture. We gotta ask ourselves, how does God see things? Not how, does, how do I see things? If I would have been there that day and I see this cart bouncing around and this gold arc on top of it and it looks like it's gonna fall off, if I use my human reasoning and it looks like it's gonna fall off and somebody reaches up, he's just trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to, to show his respect for God and he doesn't wanna see the ark on the ground so he's just trying to help God out a little bit. God needs a little bit of help here. God doesn't need any help contrary to his word. And so when he reached up and touched it, God said, my word declares. So this is the result. We use our human reasoning and think we can come to a spiritual conclusion. And we can't. And Yuza died. But you know what? David learned his lesson. Now let, me, now let me step aside now and go another direction. Yuza should have never died. It was not God's fault. It was David's fault. Yuza's dead because David decided we're gonna bring the ark back on a cart. Where did you learn that from? I learned it from the Philistines. The Philistines touched the ark and they didn't die. Oh boy, here we go. How can the Philistines touch the ark and they don't die and the children of Israel touch the ark and they do? 
How is it that the Philistines can curse the name of the Lord and point their finger into heaven and not feel bad about it and no lightning strikes them? They can do all kinds of sins and God doesn't smite them. But the first time I ever think about twisting the truth a little bit or telling a little white lie, I get this knot in my gut. I feel bad about it. I feel compelled to repent. I have to continually go around to people saying, I'm, I'm sorry I failed you here. I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done. How come I have to live that way and they don't have to? Because my sins go to the throne before I'll get there in my repentance and in my confession to God of my wrong and my, and my telling of faults to my brothers. It's already taken care of before I get there. But all those things that God didn't strike them for and the thoughts and the actions, those things are following them to their judgment. There won't be anybody saying that God is unjust when you get to heaven and you see his wrath on the Antichrist and on the world. You think that Egypt was bad. What he did to Egypt was bad. This is worldwide and it's much worse. You think that God doesn't care about his word and people breaking his rules and, and, and violating it at a minimum their conscience? You'll find out that he does. It's just that you don't find it out in your time and in the way that you want things to be done. God knows what he's doing and there's an appointed time and there's a day of reconciliation. David David learned his lesson. Watch this. There was a, there was a time in David's life where, where Saul, who was the king before him, who had the anointing, wanted to kill David. Now consider this. I only want to make two points and I'll quit. Consider this. David has been anointed king of Israel because Saul failed to kill the Amalekites. So what Samuel was saying is, the anointing is now on you to be the king. Saul hates David, and he tries to kill David on numerous occasions. And David would have had every right to defend himself and to even kill Saul in his defense and take over the kingdom. And the man of God would have stood behind him, Samuel. But he wouldn't do it. You know why? Because he knew the scripture. Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. He wouldn't do it. He was waiting for God to change the situation rather than for him to change the situation. And then one day, this little Amalekite came up and said, hey, I got some bad news for you. Jonathan and Saul are dead. Well, how do you know? He said, well, he got hurt in the battle, and he called me over. And he said, I'm hurt. He said, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I want you to take my sword and slay me with it and finish me off. So I took Saul's sword, and I finished him off. I did what he asked me to do. And David and his mighty men wept 
and cried and prayed. And then he came back and said, come here. He said, who are you? He said, I'm, I'm an Amalekite. Listen to me, folks. And you know I'm not talking about murder. If God tells you to kill something in your life, and you don't kill it, it will kill you. God told Saul to kill all the Amalekites, and he didn't. And who killed him? An Amalekite killed him. Because he failed to do what God told him to do. If God speaks to you and says, you know what, this thing in your life needs to go. I want you to no longer do this. You might need to go to celebrate recovery. You might need some help with addictions and problems and things that the whole congregation doesn't need to know about, but you need some help. Get your help. Kill what God tells you to kill because if you don't, it'll kill you. And he said, oh, so you thought that you could kill the anointed of God. He called one of his men over here. He said, you, go over there and kill him. And he killed him. That was the end of that Amalekite. Because he, he waited for God to do things. There are some things that only God should do, even if you're the king. And so, so and I'm going to say this. I know I'm preaching long today. But I, I, I feel I have to say some of these things. Yuza, let me go back to Yuza for a minute. Yuza, when he reached up and pushed that back, he may have said, you know what? The ministry doesn't see what I see. So I'm going to help the ministry out. And God said, no, you're not. Did the ark fall? No. But there may be some times in your life where you say, the pastor is not handling this situation correctly or in a timely fashion. So here's how I'm going to help him out. Let me tell you how to help him out. Pray for him. And don't get involved in gossip. And let God speak to him. And if God can't speak to him, then God will remove him. But don't you lay your hand on the office. If, if your pastor turns into Saul, God will take care of it. But if you do, you'll suffer. Okay. Watch here. The other thing David learned, this is 1 Chronicles 15. Listen to what he learned from Yuza. And 15 and 1, and David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. See the lesson he learned? Don't anybody touch it. Only the Levites can carry it by the poles. He learned his lesson. 
And he said, here's what we're gonna do. Let's stand together. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna build around the ark. I'm gonna build a house for the ark. Where the ark is, that's the presence of God. We're gonna build around the presence of God. We do not build a sanctuary and ask God to fill it. We find the presence of God and we build around that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's been a lot of buildings that are built that are a lot nicer than this one. But what makes this one special is the presence of God. The presence of God. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. So we've just built around him. We haven't built something and said, would you like this? Build your life around God. Don't ask God to come into your life the way it is. I saw a sign the other day, it said, come just as you are, but you'll never leave as you were. What's that mean? Lord, come into the center of my life and I'm gonna build around you. Whatever you want. You want me to kill Amalekites? Vices? Sins that only you and I know about? So be it. And it might be tough. I've seen people come out of withdrawal and you know what they do? They shake. But I'm here today to tell you that the cart might shake but the ark won't fall. God will bring you through your withdrawals from sin and bring you peace and joy within. Jesus, thank you today for being our ark. Thank you for the anointing that you've placed on our lives. I pray today for people that are going Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.